0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Bruce here. I am your host today. As always, we are talking to Lee Cockrell, who is the former vice president at the Walt Disney World Company. This is actually an oldie but goodie. This was one we recorded for our Pizza Summit back in April of this year. And Lee Cockrell joined us, who worked at the Marriott, he opened Disneyland Paris, he worked at the Walt Disney World Company, oversaw 40,000 employees, was going through the sessions from this year's Pizza Summit, kind of getting ready for next year's Summit, and we were adding them to our mastermind group. So if you're part of our mastermind group, you get access to all the recordings, which we did over 35 sessions. Uh, this was a Q&A episode and I thought that, you know what, listening to this session, I thought, you know what, there's probably another month or two where this is going to be really relevant, maybe three or four the way things are going now. So I thought I would put it out to you listening to the podcast feed because every other session is kind of like, you know, it's great for you to listen to and it's part of our mastermind group to hear the recordings. And it's very tactical and tutorial. But this was questions from you about what's happening now in the world. And I thought that it would be over. But the way things are going now, we're kind of going through this resurgence of closures and uh, having to figure out how to maneuver through that. And Lee does a great job of building up your employees and, and helping you navigate through this world. He answers questions that are still relevant today on this session. So I thought I would replay this for you. Well, actually, just put it out for the first time now. If you didn't hear it on the Pizza Summit, you'll hear it now for the first time. But it's a great way to listen to how Lee would deal with the problems we're dealing with right now. Thought it was a great session. I wanted to share it with you before it becomes irrelevant if we ever get out of this situation that we're in now. Hopefully we will soon. But it's a good episode, and I think you're gonna get some valuable nuggets out of this one. If you want to get a hold of me, Bruce at smartpizzamarketing.com is my email. Also, hit me up on Instagram. We're in the midst of this 20-day Instagram challenge. A lot of people have asked about it. We are going to be doing another one in a week or two. It's going to be a 30-day challenge. Go to smartpizzamarketing.com or the Facebook page or Instagram and shoot me a message if you want to get in on the next challenge. We've seen people over the course of the first 14 days, as I'm recording this episode intro now, uh, increase their engagement, increase their reach by three, percent by being part of this challenge. It's a lot of work, it's not easy, but if you really wanna leverage Instagram and really find local people to start communicating with and following you, then you definitely wanna be a part of this challenge. You can head uh, over to Smart Pizza Marketing on Facebook or at the Bruce Irving, shoot me a message if you wanna get in on the next Instagram challenge. And before we get into today's podcast episode, I do have to say thank you to today's show sponsors. Listen, getting your menu into your customers' hands has never been more critical than it is right now in 2020. With most restaurants focusing more on takeout and delivery, it's crucial to share your food offerings, pricing, specials, both online and offline. Menus are one of the most effective direct mail marketing pieces for restaurants, And to support restaurants, MailShark is offering 1,000 free takeout menus for any menu mailing campaign by visiting themailshark.com forward slash SPM. You can get details and redeem. MailShark has been a longtime sponsor of the podcast, and this is a great offer. You're going to get 1,000 free takeout menus with your next mailing campaign. Again, that's themailshark.com forward slash SPM for details. Before we get into the rest of today's episode, I have to say thanks to our sponsor, Lucky DM. Lucky DM's platform helps businesses acquire customers by offering cashback incentives to over 200 million monthly active users on hundreds of websites and apps like Yelp, Wells Fargo, and Uber, and has 30,000 businesses participating. It's risk-free with no setup fee, no contract, no new hardware, no new software, no employee training, just more customers every single month. Here's the deal. You can easily attract customers with Lucky DM, advertise on hundreds of websites and apps, free impressions, free clicks, and you only pay when they bring you new customers. Typical performance for a Lucky DM customer gets 50 to 100 new customers per month per location, 2,000 to 5,000 increase in revenue per month, 20 to 30% increase in return visits, and 30 to 40% increase in average order. If that sounds good to you, head over to smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash lucky to get more information and to sign up for free. All right, thank you to the Mail Shark and to Lucky DM for supporting the podcast. Uh, Let me know if you need to reach out to either one of them. Support the people who support this podcast. This free podcast for you here on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening to it is supported by the people who sponsor the show, so I appreciate them. And I'm very thankful that they are supporting the podcast. So do me a favor, reach out to them and let them know you heard them on the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. Okay, doke, let's get into this t- today's podcast with Lee Cockerell, the former vice president of the Walt Disney World Company. Yeah. Right. All right, let's get into it. So Lee, thank you so much. I appreciate you joining us. Give everybody who's joining us now live uh, a little bit of background about how you got into the whole business and how you started with Disney.
1: Well, I uh, grew up in Oklahoma. I went to Oklahoma State university for two years until i flunked out because i forgot to go to class <laughs> and uh i had a great time that was a time in 1964 i went in the army uh that was good i learned a lot about this one i was a pretty young immature person when i went to college i probably shouldn't have gone in the first place and i wasn't a great student anyway so uh went in the army i met a guy there went when we got out of the army eventually he said he was going to washington dc to work at the washington hilton which was going to open on march 15th so we drove to washington i would never been out of oklahoma in my whole life and i got a job as a banquet waiter at the washington hilton that's up there where uh, john hinckley shot president reagan back in the 80s Oh wow. coming out of the hotel and i worked there for eight years or with hilton eight years i met my wife there she was in the office next door and we got married. We moved to Chicago where I was with Hilton. I got a management training program. We had a baby. Then I moved to the Waldorf store in New York for three years. And then we moved to Los Angeles for Hilton. And then I left, uh, joined Marriott, stayed 17 years, became the vice president of food and beverage operations because I focused on food and beverage. I figured I better become an expert in something without a college degree. <laughs> And I got I had I, I really focused on two things, learning a lot about food and beverage and having a good attitude. That kinda helps a lot if you don't have a college degree. And uh That's for and sure. I'm pretty reliable. I get things done because I'm disciplined and OCD, I guess. So um, after that I got recruited by Disney in nineteen ninety to go to France and open Disneyland Paris. I was a general manager at Mary at the time. They wanted me to come and do the food and beverage again. So I went there, opened all the restaurants, hired staffs and stayed there three years. And, and they brought me back to Orlando. i never worked in Orlando before. And I put me in charge of the hotel division, did that for two years. And then I was made executive vice president of all operations of Walt Disney World. So uh, did that for 10 years. And then I retired. And now I have a speaking business, writing books, uh, uh, giving advice, uh, just about I moved from being a big, bad boss to a teacher. And I like it a lot better.
0: What was the difference for you between being a big, bad boss and a teacher? Was there a lot of difference there?
1: Yeah, I think what happens is if we all were teachers, you know, uh, we'd get more done. People would uh, not be intimidated by us when we misbehave early, when we don't know what leadership looks like. And uh, when you teach, people are 10 years later, they're better people. And uh, it's really what mothers do. Great mothers are there to teach you. They are thinking about what they want you to be when you're 20, 25, 30. And so they kick your butt when you're 8, 9, 7, 12, 13, because they love you. And I really had to learn that if you respect your people, your goal is to get them to be better. And so that's what I started doing. And I had a lot of success at it. And uh, you get more uh, better results, less turnover. It goes to the bottom line. People don't steal as much from you when you treat them right. Uh, all the good things that happen if people feel respected, included, involved, listened to. So it it was something that I learned uh, maybe 20 years into my career because at first I was just going around abusing everybody because I had the title. <laughs> I thought that's what managers did, and I found out that's pretty uh, not very productive long term.
0: When did you learn, like, when did the transition happen for you at what point in your career, and what made you transition from being the boss? I
1: was about with Marriott about uh five or six years. So i had been working 13, 14 years when I kind of had a situation where I found out people pretty much hated my guts and thought (laughs) I was intimidating. And uh, they were scared of me. And, you know, when that happens, people do the job when you're around, but they don't do it after you go home. And so I learned I had to go through a lot. I had to have a conversation myself about my own insecurities and why I was so crazy. Like, well, it helped my marriage too. I tried to change my wife for 25 years. It worked better when I left her alone and didn't (laughs) criticize her. But that's what insecure people do. I grew up in a dysfunctional family. I didn't have a college degree. You know, insecurity. I tell people anytime you have a boss that raises their voice to you, tries to intimidate you, Uh, that's an insecure person. It's them. It's not you. And so I wrote it out and learned and slowly but surely became more confident about who I was, what I did. I started trusting people more, started giving more delegation and letting, hiring great people, letting them do their job instead of micromanaging them. And slowly but surely, I got better. And uh, so, actually, when I learned my no- nickname at Marriott was Doberman, I thought I probably should make a change.
0: How old were you at that point?
1: Uh, I was about... Uh, 35, 36.
0: And if you guys have any questions watching live, if you have any questions for Lee, uh, throw them in there as we go. Anything that comes up throughout the conversation, just throw them in there and we'll kind of ask them. Let me ask you this. At any point in your career, throughout the Marriott or at the Walt Disney Company, did you have to kind of go through any sort of crisis or anything similar to what we're going through now?
1: Well, certainly nobody's been through anything like we're going through now, probably, unless you were born in 1900 and you're still alive. But... Uh, yeah, Marriott. We went through a terrible time. I was in Philadelphia in 1976 for the bicentennial, and that's when uh, uh, Legionnaire's disease struck the Bellevue Stratford Hotel and about 100 people died. Oh, wow! Uh, our, we immediately went into a recession only in Philadelphia. We had to lay off huge numbers of people. Business canceled, conventions canceled, just like now. I mean, our hotel was almost empty. Restaurants were empty. Nobody knew where this was coming from. And then, of course, I had to deal with 9/11 at Disney World, and uh, <clears throat> nothing like this, though, because right. in a few months it started to come back. But uh, short-term things. I mean, I think uh, I've never been isolated myself. To, you know, <laughs> right. I was just isolate myself at Disney for weeks when we had 9/11, so we could work on trying to get our cost base down and figure out how to do it. But now this is pretty unique, and uh, uh, but it's the same old story we're we're looking for leaders that have empathy and discipline right now, empathy to try to treat people the best you can and the discipline to do whatever has to be done uh, for your responsibilities. And certainly one of those responsibilities right now is staying home. And I hate that. If my wife would probably, if she didn't, she won't let me go out. I'm stuck. (laughs) And I, I think men take more risk and now she's coached me that we're not taking any risk. So uh, because it's not the right thing to do, even if it didn't bother me, I might get somebody else sick. So uh, we've been here for two and a half weeks. (laughs) I've been out once, I think. (laughs) But uh, it's pretty interesting. And doing things like this to me are uplifting we do like contact and we do yeah. like to talk about that and this is not bad i mean we had a family zoom meeting last night with a granddaughter in boulder and our grandson in boston and another one here in orlando and we had a zoom birthday party the other night for me <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, you know yeah it's better than nothing i mixed sure. a cocktail and they can mix them one and it was almost like being there but it uh it was fun and uh you got to be careful not to sit around and suffer from anxiety and get depressed and sit on the couch and feel sorry. There's a lot of things you can be doing now. Totally. I cleaned up my office. I'm communicating with people. I'm talking to all my clients. I'm looking for, you know,
0: just uh, You got to keep your mind do straight. Something. Yeah, you got to keep your mind straight. You need, straight you need
1: a routine. Wake up, take a shower, shave, get dressed like you're going somewhere and then don't go anywhere.
0: Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. What was your, so when you were working, what was your, did you have like a, a daily routine that you did the same thing every day?
1: Oh, yeah, I'm sick. I'm a routine guy. I mean, I got up 530 every morning. I got to the office 615 after I went by Starbucks, got a New York Times. I got in before anybody, Planned my day, schedule my meetings. I left at five o'clock every day, went to the gym for an hour and a half, worked out, came home. at around quarter to seven. And uh, I spent the weekend with my wife so that she didn't divorce me. <laughs> and uh, I like routine, I think, for management routine is important. You know, I always tell people management is supposed to, everything's supposed to be calm. You don't want any fire drills. So you got to have good systems, good procedures. you got to check your operation every day before you open, make sure everything's done right. You're clean. You're ready to go. It's safe every day. Uh, if you're having a lot of, uh, emergencies, you're not a very good manager. And, uh, so somebody said, if you want, if you want excitement, don't be a manager, be a race car driver. <laughs> so <laughs> Where it's unpredictable, you could die at any second. But, Let me ask you uh, this. Matt, Let me ask
0: you a question. Let me. Would you say if you're having a lot of emerg- emergencies, it means you're not a, a good manager? What do you mean by that?
1: I would say there's either you don't have the – you have not hired the right people because yep. they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Or you have not trained them properly and uh, set the expectations for what you expect because there's a difference between average and excellent. And uh, you may not be treating them right, so they're not committed to you. You may be – they don't feel like they matter. And uh, those three things are a lot. And the other is you don't – you haven't put the right policies and procedures and operating guidelines, an opening checklist, a closing checklist, an inventory checklist, that you have a way you run your – it's like an airline pilot. Before he takes off, I hope he checks those 12 things, (laughs) especially if I'm on the plane. (laughs) And then uh, the plane takes off and everybody gets home. And the same in a pizza business you got to got to have the right products, right size, you got the parking lots got to be clean, the bathrooms everything just like anywhere. And that's what excellence looks like. When you walk in, people greet you, they're nice, they're happy. You don't run out of pepperoni, <laughs> which would really disappoint me. And uh so you have good people, good policies, good training, and it's kind of that simple. And if one of something's breaking down if you're not having a good operation and guests are not happy, and you're running out of product, that's an inventory problem. There's not many shortages in America. (laughs) There's no shortage on cheese and pizza dough. So it's pretty much poor management when you are screwing up, in my opinion. And so you should have a hard conversation with yourself say, which one of these is causing this? My people, my training, the way I treat them, or do I just don't have the process and procedures and haven't I been clear with them about my expectations for how they do their job? That I mean, you talk about how simple life yeah. is. It is that simple.
0: I was just thinking, like you, you make it sound so easy, but yet so many people have a difficult time actually doing it. Do you think it because it takes longer than people expect, and they just give up?
1: Yeah, I think uh, to be really organized is hard because most people, you know, want to kind of take a shortcut. Yeah. And you've been to you go to a pizza place and they take a shortcut and the pizza's not very good. And then you got other place where, man, that's the only place you're going to pick up your pizza. It's really fabulous. It's consistent. It's always the same. Uh, when they say come and pick it up in 40 minutes or we'll deliver it they do exactly what they say they're going to do it's hot you know there's just the basics in life that you got to execute well on and uh, that's why there's people out there that are great and there's people out there that are just average and and uh, it's a state of mind in my opinion if you got an operator that wants to be great he'll be great and he'll be a pain in the butt and everybody will still like working for him because he they trust him and they learn from him and you know, those are the kind of things that uh, people love to be in an excellent. They like to work in a place where everybody you know, it's like at Disney, everybody likes to work at Disney, and they work hard because yeah. we push them hard and productivity and all, but they're proud of it. And we all want to be proud of uh, what our reputation is. So I think uh, the operators, you know, it, if the bathroom's not clean, that's not the guy's fault that cleans the bathroom. <laughs> that's the manager. <laughs> you know? If the pizza's not cooked right, that's the manager. If the parking lot's dirty, that's the manager. Uh, everything's
0: the manager. So Did, don't is, be that, blocked. is that the philosophy you had at Disney? Is that why? Cause you go to Disney and, and like every employee that works there seems to know exactly what they are supposed to do. And even if they don't, they know how to do something that a, a guest asked them to do. The chances
1: you're running into a rude cast member at Disney is almost zero.
0: Why is that?
1: Cause it's the happiest place on earth or else. I mean, we've told them, we've trained them. Like your mother used to tell you, be home by 11 or else. Yep. You didn't want to find out what or else meant, but uh, you don't have to be happy to work at Disney. You got to be happy. You got to act happy. You've got to, we're putting on a show just like a great pizza place. They're putting on a show. You walk in there, people are greeting you. Music's at the right level. The, the lights are at the right level. The pizza's right. It's in a nice, it's presented properly. I mean, it's a show. Yeah. When everybody wakes up in the morning, are you going to put on a hit show in your pizza place today or a crummy show where the bathroom's not clean yet and you didn't open till 10 minutes late and uh, the people have got a dirty uniform on? It looks like they were slept in it with a pizza with them. I mean, all of these things are controllable. And uh, most people don't do the hard things. That's why they get in trouble. If you do the hard things, life gets a whole lot easier. If you take the easy route, you don't want to talk to somebody about their attitude or their performance or being worked to work late, life just gets worse, so I'd say the average person out there, if they'll start doing the hard things and have higher expectations for themselves and for the their people they'll they'll grow their business. maybe they don't have a good pizza, so go find a new recipe. <laughs> you know I don't know what. I'm not in the pizza business, but I know I when I find one, that's where I go get the next one.
0: I know it's exactly uh, like you said, though. Like if you don't, if you're not happy with something in your business, like especially nowadays in 2020, look what we're doing now. We have 50 people joining us. You're in Orlando, I'm in Boston, and we're hanging out here on the internet. There's no excuse for <laughs> not being able to figure things out nowadays.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, you you, you know, you're never as good as you think you are. So you got to always be wondering, am I as good as I thought I was? Why aren't people coming? Why is my business down? Six or seven or eight people a week. Uh, You know, just uh, you've got to wake. I think that's at Disney. You wake up every morning. Disney's never happy. We're never. It's never friendly enough. Never clean enough. (laughs) Never. uh, You know. But the guest. And when you have that attitude, it's the key. The attitude at Disney is everybody's expected to get a little bit better every day, just a little bit, just a little bit. A little nicer, a little cleaner, a little more helpful, a little. <laughs> and then when 77,000 cast members do that, people go, uh, they, they're they shocked because they're comparing it against other service in the world. And there's not anybody listening that it couldn't do exactly the same thing in their business. If you get what you want, Mr. Merritt told me years ago, if you have flies in your restaurants, you like flies, <laughs> you know, get rid of them. <laughs> some people have flies and some people don't. Some people have hot
0: pizzas and some
1: people don't. That's right. <laughs> you
0: know. All right. It's never about the pizza. It's we'll, always about the people. We'll get into the questions, guys, in a second. Um, so if you have questions as we're going through this, just drop them in the comments there. We will at the end, the last few minutes, we'll answer all we'll I'll ask Lee all those questions. So keep them coming in there. And if we don't get to them, I I promise you we will. Here's another thing. I know we talked about this before you and I, but There's always this theory that you need to uh, motivate employees. How do you motivate employees?
1: (laughs) I don't believe that, actually. I believe my whole career, and I believe most of the people I've worked with or dealt with, uh, you motivate yourself. You know, it's not the company's job to motivate you. When I was uh, literally a a cook in the Army, I had a good attitude. I did my job. I I was a private, you know. I mean, when I got my first job as a waiter, I was the best little waiter they ever had. And that got me promoted. And uh, uh, I think our, our our job as leaders is to provide a professional workplace uh, and that we select the right people. We select people who have the right attitude, that we commit to training, develop them, and we treat them right. If you do all of those things, people will be motivated and they won't walk away from you. But those are just basic things we should be doing. It's not about... You can do all those things and still hire the wrong person. Let me tell you, they still won't do the job. Even though you hire, you hired them, you're training them right, you're treating them right, you're giving them a good salary, you're doing all these things for them. There's some people were born unhappy, and they just never get over it. So you got to really, that first one is probably the most important thing you do. Make sure you hire the right people. Uh, don't try to hire people and make them nice. You know, Look for that person who's got it already. It's in them. And uh, that's what we do at Disney. We, we we're looking for people who well, not so much. Uh, we can train you on how to do it just like you can in your business. Right. Uh, we just got to have the right person who is open minded, wants to be trained, uh, wants to get ahead. Uh, that's you know, that's the kind of person. And we all know both. We all know both of them. Your listeners right now, every one of them has somebody in their operation they know they should get rid of and they haven't dealt with it. <laughs> they know they know the name. They know what they ought to do and they haven't done it. Why do you think that is? They, oh, excuses. It's hard to find people. it's You know, you don't pay enough and blah, blah, blah. No, if you it is harder to find people. But when you run a great operation, uh, the chances of being able to attract people and people, the word getting around, this is a good place to work. Uh, it goes up. It's all connected. And uh, sure, is it hard? Sure, it's hard. It's always hard to be excellent. It's always hard to hire great people. It's always hard to train great people, make them really smart. It's like raising kids. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> if you can't do hard things, you shouldn't have children, <laughs> and you shouldn't open a pizza place. Probably. That is true.
0: <laughs> that is true. Our pizza industry, although. You know, we're kind of getting by right now. It is one of the hardest places to run. It's some small margins, (laughs) you know, that nobody really wants to do that for a job. It's hard to find people, even though they're out there. It's still it is challenging, but you got to do the work.
1: Well, and I think if you would take the if I owned a pizza place, I would uh, I would have a top of mind that I'm going to also teach these kids something. I'm going to be the setting good role model. I'm going to teach them about service, about how to make the P, how to how to run a business, how what the cash flow looks like, expenses. Teach them something. So when they leave after a year or half a year or six months, they go away and they say, "Well, wow, I learned a lot there about being a better manager, being a better leader." Don't just hire them to do pizza. Right. You know. All
0: right. We have a question here from Rev. He says, "Do you have any daily practices you suggest to maintain a leadership mindset?"
1: Well. I I guess I do. I read every day. I have some kind of book next to my bed. It's about leadership, management, customer service. I like to read those. Uh, I just read one, uh, Service is a Superpower, which was great. Gave me another perspective from a performer, an entertainment person about service. I read Michelle Obama's book, uh, um, How to Becoming, which is how she became a leader. I I read a lot. I think people that don't read don't get new ideas and they and I need new ideas. I'm out on the speaking circuit. I'm looking for things are changing so quick. I uh, also still plan my day every day I get up in the morning. I open my day planner I talk about time management a lot from one of the books I wrote on it. It's one of the things most people don't do. What are you going to do on purpose to tomorrow? What are you going to do on purpose Saturday on purpose? not by just the day goes away and it's Christmas again and you didn't do 12 things. I think about every day, what I need to be focused on, what doctor's appointments do I need to make? What, I mean, I have a whole kind of a system. I go through to think my kids, my grandkids, my wife Easter's coming already get done. I've already made the Easter baskets and put them in the mail to the children and they're 24, 21 and 19, uh, <laughs> on purpose. I do things on purpose and, uh, Scheduling, scheduling the priorities in your life, you know, Um, that's what you got to think about. And I recommend the time management because it's, I don't know, it's 10 bucks or something, but it'll change your way of thinking because most people don't get any training in this in high school or college. Then they get out, they get married, they have a kid, they get a pizza place. Uh, The drinks do mother-in-law's coming in Monday. Got to go to a soccer game. Your wife's mad because you didn't pick up the laundry. Uh, Next thing you know, I mean, life is yeah. pretty tough. And if you don't have a good system for organizing and getting through the day and the week and the year, you're going to end up with a lot of regrets. I wish I'd opened that college fund. I wish I'd have spent more time with my children when I was off. I wish I had got my annual physical before I had bypass surgery. I wish, I hope, I pray. <laughs> no, yeah. you got to get organized and you got to have a system because life is complicated.
0: It goes by fast, then, too.
1: In the restaurant business, it's even more complicated. Yeah. I I was in the food for 25 years. You got to be crazy to be in the food business, but you get addicted to it. I loved it, and uh, but it's hard. It's hard, hard, and if you don't watch it, next thing you know, you won't be married, or your kids will say, "Why does Dad live here? He's never here." Or you got to really figure it out and uh, figure out. But take care of your health first, so you can take care of your family and your employees, and then. Uh, after that, you can go spend time with Kim Kardashian or whoever wants.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what do you say about how do you get your employees on the time management thing? Do you train them on that? I taught time management at Marriott and Disney. I probably taught it to over
1: 100,000 people. I taught a class every month. Did you really? I you know, Every month, anybody could come. Dishwasher could come, a waiter, anybody. I have an online time management course. We're going to make a big offer soon because everybody's sitting at home. I figure we'll make a cheap offer so people can do something.
0: Yep.
1: We have a morning magic planner that people can go to on my website and get for free. It's called called a magic planner. It's on the website. Uh, You download it and it'll show you the kinds of things you ought to be thinking about every day and you'll be shocked at what you're not thinking about, like aging parents and grandparents. How are you going to handle that? Your retirement, your, I mean, it's, we got more to do than we think we got to do and then next thing we do we turn around we're 65 we wonder what happened <laughs> you know so true. i figure you're only four ages you're born you're 21 you're 65 and you're dead <laughs> so you you better get with it man and uh time we got time and we got money and you can get the money back but you can't get this time back and right now man i just i think in every day i'm developing courses right now i'm recording them this morning uh, cause we're going to sell more of them. And this is a great time. Cause I always say I don't have time to work on them.
0: Well, I do now. To. Yeah. Right. Would you, and if, so, so, if you were, let me ask you this, if you were a small business owner, let's say you have 20, 30, 40 employees. Cause you were, you manage a lot of employees. How, how often would you meet with them? It seems like for you, that would be like, you know, I would meet with them all the time because there's so little compared to,
1: Hey, if peers. I had a small place like that, I'd be, they, they would be, I'd be like their mother. Every time they turn around, I'd be there cause I'd be out on the floor. I'd be working with them. I'd be, you know, your mother doesn't say I'm going to give you training. She just continually does it by coaching you, speaking to you, telling you how what a good job you're doing. It's ongoing. It's like we don't train kids. We they they learn by watching us. Role modeling is probably the number one training tool that doesn't cost a penny. Yeah. And uh, by the way, your people are watching you when you're not picking up things, you're not keeping it clean, you're not being nice to the customer. You're saying inappropriate things behind the when the customer walks out the door. Hey, let me tell you, just like children, they hear everything, they see everything, and role modeling. You ought to be thinking about that. And if I had 30 people, I would probably have a cup of coffee every afternoon with one, so every month I'd sit down and talk to them one at a time. Or, I mean, I'd figure out a way to make contact and tell them how much I appreciate them, uh, what I need them to do better, and uh, spend time with them.
0: Yeah, communications. Half the,
1: people, half the people at McDonald's and maybe pizza, but I don't know about pizza, but... They don't even know the last name of their people. They don't know what their aspirations are. They don't know if they're going to college. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know. And if you don't make people feel like they matter, hey, man, they're not going to hang around. Guy next door needs to hire somebody. True. That is true. So I want people to adore me and know that I'm also going to train them and I'm also going to tell them when they're doing a good job. And when they're not doing a good job, I'm going to correct them just just like their mother. I tell people, <laughs> manage like a mother and everything will be fine.
0: All right, here's the next question from Massey. Greetings, very inspired to be here. As we all know, this industry can be very stressful, whether it's shortage of staff, not meeting targets, long hours, et cetera. Would you be able to share what you felt was the most stressful about your position as VP and how you would manage that?
1: Well, it, the, one thing always the most stressful is dealing with non-performance, dealing with people not doing their job. Uh, The pressure to be great when people around you are not doing it and dealing with that subject, uh, correcting, uh, putting in a new policy because it's not working. Uh, uh, You know, I did. And that that was the hardest part always is correcting performance and uh, dealing with non-performers, having to terminate somebody. Uh, You know, those are things that uh, I, I would say the systems, the rides, that's the least of your problems. I did a program with uh, Tyson Chickens once, and I told the CEO, it's never about the chickens. We know what's going to happen to the chickens. It's about your people. (laughs) You have them committed. Are they committed? Are they going to do the job when you're not around? You treat them so well, they talk about you behind your back in a good way. Uh, And every manager listening right now ought to think about, what are your people saying about you? What do they say about the boss behind your back? You know, we've all had that where we said our boss didn't know what was going on. He didn't care. He... He was screwing around with one of the ladies that works there. You <laughs> know, uh, 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 we make sure they're not saying that about you because your reputation, you want people to trust you and to be a good role model because you're going to make people better. People work for you, they'll be great 10 years from now or not, depending on how you train them, you teach them, you respect them, you show the way. Uh, I mean, I started out as a little running a grease cart in a place out in California, emptying the grease from the griddles. I was the little best little grease man they ever had, (laughs) you know, because when everything you
0: do, you do well, uh, people notice. All right. You got your final questions here. we got a few more minutes with Lee. I have two more questions for you, but then we'll finish up. If you guys have any follow-up, drop them in the comments there, and I'll ask you. I have two questions for you. Uh, My first question is about employees and, you know, This whole situation we're in now aside, if things are back to normal, there's always like you said, there's always that some person on your team that, you know, you need to get rid of or they're not really keeping up with their job. How do you get to the point when you know you need to terminate them? And then how do you go about doing that once you determine that?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I'm not saying you just got to kick people out. I think, number one, if you have been clear with them about the standards and how you're supposed to do your job and being to work on time and all of that then they're clear. Okay, they're not doing it. You can go over it one more time. Like your mother used to say, did you not understand what I told you when I, you know, clarity of expectations is the number one thing. If you've done that and they're still not doing it, you can have a personal, I don't care. You can give them one chance. You can give them five, whatever you decide to do. But at some point, you've got to deal with it. Because let me tell you, if I talk to you three times and you're still not doing it, and I've been clear with you, and I'm not guilty, then I have to pull the, you know,
0: that's it. Yeah. How often did it, how that's often? That's why I tell
1: people, don't hire your hire your relatives. I know. Don't hire your relatives.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is hard to work with relatives, that's for sure.
1: Because if you don't, you're going to take the whole place down. Yeah. People are wondering why, he talks a big story about leadership, but he doesn't do it with her. He lets it go, or he doesn't do it with him. And, you know, you just, you got to be clear when you're clear. People have no excuse.
0: And if you want to be great, you got to be clear and you got to have consistency. Do you find that when you work with organizations, that that's the major flaw in their business is not being clear and not communicating well? Absolutely. It's the biggest problem with marriages, clarity.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's the biggest problem with parents and their children not being clear, you know, because everybody looks for the loopholes. You didn't say this. You didn't say that. I thought you meant. No, I don't want you thinking what I'm at. I want to be clear with you. My mother was a terrorist before they had them. She was so clear. My brother and I didn't screw around, <laughs> you know, and she loved us. So you got to have, you got to have both. You got to have the discipline to do what's right. Cause you're a leader or a parent. And you got to have the empathy to care about why people are doing that, trying to turn them around, trying to find out what the problem is. Everybody's got 10 problems you don't know about. Right. And they're, they get in the way and maybe you can help them and maybe you can't. And some of your best performers can start not performing because they got a house problem. They got a marriage problem. They got a kid problem. They got a finance. They're losing their house. Finance. You got to get in there and find out what it is. Just like your mom, you know, she's going to drill you till she finds out what it <laughs> is. And then she's going to help you. It's true. If you need to go to drug, if you need to go to drug rehab, she's going to get you there. If you need a lawyer. If you need a, a tutor in school, she's going to help you. And then at some point she, You know, that's one of the things in life, it's sad to say, but you know why people go homeless? Because when the last person in your life gives up on you because they've been put, that's when people, nobody cares for them anymore. And we've got to make sure people never get into that situation. We've got to find out what is wrong. How can we build them up? How can I help you feel better about yourself? Because a lot of people coming into our business, in the food business, they suffer from a pretty rough life. Yeah. From backgrounds from dysfunctional families, and they don't have a lot. Maybe not. Don't have the right education. Maybe they don't have the uh, the right leadership in their past. They don't believe in themselves, and uh, uh, that's probably your biggest job. If you can make those people feel really good and it. you're gonna you can take a person, and turn them around. They'll be your number one person because they you're making them feel so good about themselves every day. Don't underestimate the influence you have on people every day.
0: Do you think it's going to weird people out if it's like, say you're like a boss that's tough on people, doesn't communicate well, and doesn't really ask questions. And then all of a sudden you watch this session with you and tomorrow you go into your business and it's like, you're asking people a million questions. You're trying to relate to them. Are they going to get weirded out by that? You think?
1: Probably (laughs) don't
0: do it. Don't be too nice, too fast.
1: Take about a two weeks to kind of raise it up a little bit every day, or you can go in and pull them all together and say, listen, I've rethought the way I'm leading my people and managing, and I, I apologize to you guys. Here's what I want to do. I want to be more clear. I want to, you to be, I'm going to quit biting your head off every time I, you put too much pepperoni on the pizza. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm going to, you can start either way. When you learn, you, you only change for two reasons in life, crisis or education. You know, crisis is everybody quit (laughs) now I got to work out. Now I'm really stressed out or you educate people. Yeah. Part of that education is letting them know who you are. Here's who I am. Here's how I work. I want to work with you, but here's my expectations for performance. Uh, Somebody told me that a mother who's disciplining an eight year old is not disciplining the eight year old. She's disciplining the 25 year old. She wants you to be, you know, and you got to think about that, a new employee, your yeah. discipline and your training you your teaching and handling them with care about the person you want them to be That's six months point. from now or th- th- two weeks from now.
0: And yeah. We're all going through crisis now too. And I even, I think we've talked about this, if you're familiar with our podcast at all about, you know, a lot of businesses nowadays wanted to kind of maybe do something in their business that they never really did. And this crisis that we're going through right now forced them to have to do that, to pivot, to take out a delivery or add that, uh, Uh, family meal plan or do that something that they've always wanted to done do that they never really had time for put time into it and now they're like they had no choice but they had to do it i went to olive garden the
1: other night and picked up my dinner in the parking lot and they had a big table set up there selling wine and beer and (laughs) they were getting extra sales and the person was great and the food was great they gave us enough food for two meals each It, it was great I loved it. And we'll go back there. We like the soup and salad and breadsticks. (laughs)
0: Nice. All right. Last question from me. Um, So, you worked at Walt Disney World Company. You were the vice president. What was your favorite part about working for that company?
1: Well, the favorite part was when I got out of my office and went out and saw the guests being so happy to see Mickey Mouse running down the street. Yeah. I mean, when you see happy guests, now we're lucky. And maybe you are too. If you got great pizza, your customers love you. Right. People love Disney. We're not selling cigarettes. We're not selling oil. So we, I, I had a, I had 99% of our guests were pretty happy every day. So that was fun to go out and see the kids and, and and to hear from the guests how much they love us. That's you know, and that's the same in pizza business or any business. People telling you, hey, what a great operation you run here. Thank you so much. And that was getting that positive feedback because I need it just like anybody else. My most unfavorite favorite
0: time was recessions,
1: yeah. 9/11, hurricanes. But being out with the guest is always more fun. But, and, uh,
0: but like, yeah. pe- like the pizza industry, right? Like there's a lot of places and choices to go to. But Disney, as much as we think of Disney as this big corporation where everybody's attracted to, there's still a lot of places that people can spend their money elsewhere. So you're still competing with other companies.
1: Bingo. We consider our competition not Universal, not SeaWorld. We consider our competition anywhere you can spend your vacation money. And you guys should be considering anybody, any place people can buy food to take home as your competition. It doesn't have to just be another pizza place. It can be, you can turn people around. You might have such a product that they want to get their whole dinner there two nights a week or come up with some new packagings or some way that uh, instead of spending their money over at the other hamburger place, they're going to be back to your place on Thursday night because you got something special. And think about how you get that, Food money out of them, because people spend a certain amount a week on food, and of course, uh, yeah. if you can make it uh, the right thing, that's your competitor. Your competitor is the grocery store, McDonald's, uh, the ice creams, every place. Yeah. And what add-ons? The one, pizza's got a big opportunity. You don't have enough impulse sales in my idea. When you walk in there, there's not like, oh, I'm going to take a quart of that ice cream too, and I'm going to take uh, some of those whatever impulse sales where you get another dollar three dollars two dollars out of every person impulse uh, that's a good know. one i mean yeah i mean uh, it could be a candy bar i mean anything people might buy because it's there i went to pick up my pizza the other night there was not one thing there i could pick up and say oh, i'll take this too right I, I probably would have and uh if you could get another 10 or 15 percent out of every customer it probably wouldn't be bad
0: so there's a lot of comments And people
1: here. that pick up pizza and order pizza have money,
0: by the way. <laughs> That's true. Add some stuff to your counter to sell and get an extra 2 or $3. Like the grocery stores, right? When you walk out of a grocery store, there's a whole bunch of stuff you can buy.
1: And I, yeah, I buy some gum for three forty-five, dollars and a magazine and the kids candy down at the lower level, right where they know to get it. Right. And kids come in with their parents to pick up the pizza and you got a big opportunity there. If I was in the pizza business, I'd figure it out.
0: Well, this was amazing, Lee. Thank you so much for joining us for our first ever Pizza Summit. I appreciate you uh, yeah. joining us. This is uh, pretty cool to have you on with us. I'm sure everybody's happy and thankful. Um, where can people was go, fun. Yeah, where can people go check you out if they want to listen to your podcast or they want to go buy your books? Yeah,
1: they go to com. my website, everything's there. If they want the free Magic Planner, it's on there. Uh, we have videos on there. We have lots of things. We have another uh, document on there that's free uh, about leadership and management. Uh, just about anything. My books are on there. So anything, Lee
0: C O C K E R E L L dot com.
1: Excellent. I have to keep everything in one place so I know where it is.
0: I'm <laughs> keep it simple, right? Right. Exactly. All right. I appreciate you guys. Let me know. Obviously, Lee is pretty active on LinkedIn too and on social. So if you want to go to his website, we'll link it up in the, uh, in the description for this talk and go check. We him post
1: out. resources every day about something on LinkedIn and it's probably better to go to LinkedIn because Facebook, I talk about politics and a lot of people hate my guts. So uh, (laughs) I don't talk about politics on LinkedIn.
0: All right, good. All right. Well, go to LeeCockwell.com. You can find everything there. If you want to do politics or just talk about business. Right. All right. Thank you guys for tuning into the session. We'll get this recorded. I'm going to hit the stop button now. This is like the after one. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us for this. Lee, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for doing this. We appreciate you joining us.
1: Yeah, make sure I get a copy of this and we'll put it out there in the world.
0: Will do. Thank you so much. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you in a little bit. Okay. Pepperoni. See you later. (laughs) Bye, Lee. All right. I hope you enjoyed that replay session with Lee Cockrell. You can follow him on LinkedIn at Lee Cockrell. Very good follow there. Go check out one of his books. We'll link everything up on the show notes over at smartpizzamarketing.com. And like I mentioned in the beginning of this episode of the podcast, If you want to get in on that 30-day Instagram challenge, hit me up on Instagram. I am at the Bruce Irving. Or you could just shoot me an email, bruce at smartpizzamarketing.com and just say, hey, Bruce, I want to get in on the Instagram challenge. It is not easy. You will need some time to do it. But I promise you, if you do follow the process in the steps that we lay out, your Instagram engagement, reach, and follower count with local followers will increase with no bots required. No gimmicks, no secret, no bots just straight strategy. So at the Bruce Irving, message me or email me, Bruce at smartpizzamarketing.com. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the podcast. We'll see you next week.